0: What is going on? I want to welcome you from Half Court today, being the day of our Lord, January twelfth, twenty twenty two. I am your host Sean Murphy, joined by the man with the Marquette heat, the man that's gonna go out on the street, and if he's in a car, the tire's gonna skate. Troy, Sergey, Troy, how are you doing, my guy?
1: Doing good now at the Dallas Mavericks retired Dirk Nowitzki's jersey.
0: Have you seen the statue, Troy?
1: I have seen the statue, Sean,
0: do you notice the balls on the end of the statue?
1: I notice the balls at the end of the statue.
0: do you notice that they look like anal beads, Troy
1: yes, Sean, I have
0: they need to fix that as soon as possible i well like, I don't
1: understand why they need three three balls like it's i like why not to just
0: show the it's supposed to show the, the ball arcing towards the
1: basket. No, I get that. But why but do you it doesn't need that, look good.
0: It doesn't do look good. That? <laughs> yeah. Like literally, all they have to do is remove the first two balls on that. And then the statue's literally perfect. It's one of the best statues ever made.
1: Yeah, but I like, agree.
0: Like yeah. I've never seen the addition of two arcing balls that, that listen. At some point, you do need a middle, middle schooler in the room, in my opinion. You, you need to look for those kinds of things because they can take away from the legacy of the player and what the statue is supposed to mean. Case I strongly point, agree.
1: Case best point, statue could the be the there. worst statue. It looks statue. like anal beads right now. <laughs> best statue in the league could turn into the worst statue just because of two balls.
0: And this one did. Now, I will say, um, I think the best statue um personally i would have to go with Shaq statue outside of the Staples center it's pretty great mm-hmm. um i believe uh, you know the lakers have so many you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. um but i w- the one that stands out to me is the Shaq one i don't know about you yeah. is there any statues that stick out to you
1: i think the michael jordan one in chicago of course really, yep that one really too. beat that one but actually i don't know if i told you this sean but this summer uh, I was on LSU's campus and I saw Shaq's LSU statue. And that's pretty similar, but you know, it's, it has the dunking thing. That, that's, that was pretty cool too. Um, but I have heard rumors, Sean. I don't know if you have heard, but the Pistons have somewhat flirted around with an Isaiah statue, Isaiah Thomas statue outside of LCA. Have you heard about that?
0: I have not, but I would love that. I, listen, yeah. I think there's, there's these incredible Red Wings statues they have inside the LCA. Yeah. So if they can have one of a guy like Isaiah, I think that would mm-hmm. be a great one. Um, I I think another one that could be a good candidate is Dave Bing. Um, just because, I mean, maybe just not because of his tainted legacy as a Detroit mayor, it's kind of a complicated relationship with Dave Bing. Um, but you could certainly make the argument for other guys like Billy and beer. You could make the argument for a guy like Ben Wallace. Absolutely. Um, you know, I think, uh, Kay Cunningham is starting to make a case for him having a statue in the future because, um, we have to talk about him. Um, so what happened was I had, um, I I guess it's a good place to spot this if this is actually, um, if this is going to stay in the podcast, I recently accepted an offer to join Woodward Sports, a Detroit digital sports network as a writer and intern, uh, primarily focused on basketball and the Detroit Pistons. And so uh, as by the time that you're seeing this, my first article very well could be out. And if that's the case, there's going to be in the link in the description below, but it's talking about my takeaways from the Detroit Pistons, Utah jazz game. And I was just, I just got a call from easy who is from Woodward sports. We did the pizza palace episode last week, and he was calling me trying to make the case for how Dwayne we're better without Dwayne Casey and how many of these games that we've won have been without Dwayne Casey in the, in the coaching chair. Now, here's what I will say. I made an argument in my article that this is actually a good thing because it shows that Dwayne Casey has consistency amongst his staff and that he set set a culture and a tone that's consistent whenever whenever he's there or whenever he's not there. Now, yes, you can make the argument that Dwayne Casey was on the coaching seat when they lost Ugly to the Hornets. And then uh, who is the other team that we got absolutely smoked by? Uh, Troy, Uh, help me out.
1: Yeah. Why am I struggling here? Memphis, well Memphis. Yes, Memphis. It was Memphis
0: yeah. and, and Charlotte. We yeah. absolutely got smoked by them both back to back. Yes. Dwayne Casey was there. However, the team responded and whether Casey was there or not, I don't think that made the difference of how great of a performance Cade had because I think ultimately it came down to his um came down to his leadership. But I did want to shout out Easy on that because um that was really funny that he called me right as I was talking about Dwayne Casey, but Troy, I will say, um, I overall, um, I'm really happy with the current state of our team. Um, Mm -hmm. that was a really fun win and the Pistons are just getting better at closing games. You know what I mean? I think that's a problem we've
1: had Sean for 10 years.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But like, that's a good takeaway to have because a team can like when a young player such as Cade Cunningham and Sadiq Bay can, realize that they need to take over the game and that they that they have to put the fate of the team in their own hands and they start taking over and doing what they do the team collectively commits to forcing turnovers they they get utah to out turn over the ball detroit the fact that we won the turnover battle when we are going against Quinn Snyder, one of the most respected coaches in the game that leads the best offensive team in basketball, as far as efficiency goes, and we're beating them in that category. It's insane. So that is a great sign for a young team and it shows what it means to win and shows what it means to compete at that level. So overall, I thought there was a lot of positive things to take away from that game. Um, I will say one thing I did say in the article, and this is something I'm feeling personally, Troy. Um, I think the more Cade thrives, the less I feel convinced that Killian Hayes has a future here, especially when he continues to struggle. Um, and offensively he is, uh, regressing from last year. So Troy, I would love to know what your thoughts are on Killian Hayes and and what that, uh, and what, and what I'm thinking there. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, well, I'm going to start there just with the win itself. And I think uh, I was really impressed with, obviously, Cade Cunningham, career high, 29 points. He had eight assists as well, which I thought was really impressive too. But I can equally be as happy about Sadiq Bey. Sean, he has been pouring it on the past 10 games. And I thought that San Antonio win with the game winner in overtime, I think that proved a lot of your point of closing games out. Uh, I I have just been very impressed with him. And I know he kind of had a slower start to the year, but uh, to me, his sophomore season has been more promising than his rookie as far as the future in Detroit, as far as contributing to wins and as far as his, uh, I guess, just um, motor. Right. His motor of of being able to play in the fourth corner to impact games and to be um, honestly Sean, your second option on this team.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I think one of the steps that you have in a rebuild is first you draft as many guys as possible. Right. Among the top. And of those guys that you draft, you look for who your cornerstone pieces are. You look for who are who are you building around. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think at this point, I think it's safe to say that the guys that they're building around are Sadiq Bay and Kate Cunningham. And it's 100%. I, and I and I would say that that those guys are the foundation of this roster, in my opinion. Yes. Um, I think especially when you watch um, the way that Cade Cunningham, like I said, took over the game, did not let the the coaching change affect him. Just took over the game, shot with confidence, even when he went zero five to start the game. From there, he was absolutely electric, and mm-hmm. he absolutely made his presence known. He made the, his teammates better. He he had eight assists. He had two steals, two blocks. I mean, the guy is is just showing that he has what it takes. And then on top of that, you look at Sadiq Bey going 10 of 14, five of seven from three, um, six rebounds, is continuing to grow as, an, as a rebounder. I mean, there's just so many things in this team that where it's just, okay, the ceiling is high here and there's things to be excited about. So let's stop being so short-sighted about about rough losses against playoff teams. And let's appreciate these games when our young guys are fighting like hell, acting like these guys don't care. And then they go out and do something like this. So, you know, this is a good statement win for this Detroit team, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I strongly agree. And going back to the other point about Killian yeah Um, nothing really has been fun this year about Killian Sean and I I think that the the only guest takeaway is you know I think he has shown um, great passing ability I think he he does to a degree have some kind of high basketball IQ I mean he wouldn't be in the league without it yeah Uh, but I think yeah I I think moving forward Sean I guess kind of going off topic but not really I think what we need to maybe replace Killing in the draft, what we should be looking for is an athletic power forward. I, I think a guy who can run the floor, who can shot block, who can, who's a rim runner. Cough, uh, cough, chat,
0: homegrown puff, cough, cough, cough.
1: I wasn't going to say it, but I'm glad you did. Uh, I think he's a guy that fits this team really well, Sean, or yeah, at least I, a player who plays similar to him because I, we already have our core established with a point guard. Um, and, you know, a guy, a guy like Sadiq Bey who can stretch the floor, who's more of that small forward kind of guy. Um, and yeah, I, I think Troy. I think we have, we have a good backup of, of, of Isaiah Stewart, if that's the direction we want to go to. Troy. So yeah, unfortunately, unless something crazy happens in the next month or two with Killian's improvement, I don't think we're going to see him here very longer in Detroit. I just had
0: an idea in my head that really excited me, okay? Go ahead. Picture this. Killian uh, or, uh, or Cade Cunningham, pair him with a guy that is the athletic power forward, to your point, a guy who's 6'11", can yam it in the rim, be like a Giannis rim-running type,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and Cade Cunningham is a better version of Chris Middleton, but also has the point guard responsibilities. Right. And then, and then you have something that Milwaukee doesn't have in an elite scorer like Sadiq Bay, and that's your three and that's your core. And you go and you add a, a veteran piece. Like let's say De- we can get DeMar DeRozan for cheap if his progression goes down, or if we can get a guy like that on a cheaper deal let's say we can go out and swing and get a guy like Bradley Beal, who's sick of Washington. And we, and we make, we make some noise with him and he's like our second option someday. Like, these are the things that like people have to realize is like, yes, right now we just have to react on what we're seeing. And we have to focus on uh, on like what these young players are doing, letting them develop. But at the same time, just remember guys, like this also means that we could start picturing these young guys and, and start imagining what that end of the tunnel looks like you know right. what i'm saying and and, so- and i think
1: of a team like boston who has all the opportunity to be doing that right now and choosing not to and and staying in that seventh eighth ninth kind of seed right
0: yeah. so so
1: really what gets this team rolling is to your point a veteran guy and yeah i mean i, I think obviously in today's market uh, a Beeler, a De- and are off the table. But if you, if you look at what those guys careers will be in two to three years, when maybe they're looking to compete with younger guys um, for some kind of playoff run, not saying championship run, but a playoff run uh, Detroit could be an attractive place, Sean, would you agree?
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think, I think Detroit has a lot of, um, has a lot of leverage going forward. I think Troy Weaver has shown that he's willing to make some moves and, and willing to take some risks um, case in point, he made a really low risk, high reward signing or, or yeah. trade.
1: Let's talk about uh, that. We're
0: officially acquiring a bull bull in exchange for Rodney Magruder, who's pretty clear. Didn't have a role on this team. Um, you know, good veteran presence in the locker room. However, just as far as playing, he just, you know, he was never, he was never that he was never a guy that Detroit really wanted to have a regular piece on the rotation. Let's just call it the way it is. Um, so Detroit, uh, one of the things I said in my takeaway article with Woodward sports, um, is that I think right off the bat, Detroit just looks small. Like at the beginning of the game, like at the beginning of every game, Detroit just looks small, despite having a big backcourt, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's just to have a guy who has that height, but also potentially the ability to stretch the floor, and it's very similar to Thon Maker, where. Um, Thaum Maker had such a high upside, but he also had like a low floor. I think it's kind of similar here with Bull Bull. So, um, you know, ultimately, I think this is very similar to the Dennis Smith Jr. trade of last year where this is really just a tryout Mm -hmm. um, because let's be honest, Bull Bull was not going to have a role with the Denver Nuggets going forward. Right. That's just, that's just the reality of the game.
1: Yeah, I, I agree, Sean. And I think the, the risk is so low here and there's no punishment if it doesn't work out. And I think why, where people are maybe a little bit upset about, you know, comparing him to Thonmaker or the fear that they have with, with him being on the is because we kind of brought thon maker to a degree in Sean to kind of win now with that core of Blake Griffin and Reggie Jackson and all those guys. So the fact that he wasn't able to contribute at all to that team, I think people are having some PTSD memories with that and trying to put it on bull bull. But again, we are in an extreme rebuild slash restoration right now, a yeah. bull bull. Seriously. I don't see there being a worst case scenario. Here.
0: Let's Let's just have fun. Like, that's yeah. what I say. Like, Um, you know, I, I really want to help and push a narrative. Like, you know, one of my, one of my idols in the space, King of the fourth corner, Kenny, um, you know, his his whole thing is just enjoy basketball. Like there are people, um, I will like, you know, like to get into our main topic, which is Clay Thompson's return. Um, first, I just want to say that we're going to only say positive things about Clay Thompson. I'm just going to, we're just going to be very upfront. This is a very pro Clay Thompson podcast. Um, I think the people that, Um, The worst people in these communities are the people that, uh, that tweet, oh, wow. Clay Thompson's the first ever to come back from injury or things like, wow, Clay Thompson plays mediocre basketball. It's like, first of all, if you're like saying anything negative or like there's people that literally are just posting missed shots, like you are a prick. Like, I'm sorry, you just, you don't understand what it means to be a fan of the game and you're missing and and intentionally trying to take away from the magic of the night. Because listen, this was, um, this was the most impacted I've felt watching a game of basketball since Kobe Bryant's final game. Um, and this, this one, this one hit hard because that was a guy who for nine, over 900 days, did not get to play the game of basketball. Right. And I don't know about you, Troy, but just when they, I got chills when they announced his name, when it was the, and now like, it, I was like, Oh, I'm getting chills. Literally just thinking about it. Troy yeah. talk about it. Like just yeah. what were your thoughts? What were your emotions?
1: Well, going back to that point of why you should respect Klay Thompson. I have one statement and this is the only statement you need. Are you ready? Yep. He's a champion. He's a champion. He's a, multi- he's a champion and champion. he's a
0: top three shooter of all time. Ooh.
1: Ooh. Something changed with our last podcast back in March when we did our Mount Rushmore.
0: Is that right, Sean? I think he will go down as the third best shooter of all time.
1: Okay. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. No, you're right, Sean. And I think um, the champion thing for me really hits home because not many players have rings who have played in the league before Mm -hmm. and not many people have more than one ring and not many people started on a team with that. So for me, Sean, that, that just clears up the room there, but no, it was a great return. Uh, I think sometimes when guys return from that long or not that maybe that, not that long, but for close to that long, um, they can be a little bit timid, and they can be kind of afraid. Clay uh, Thompson
0: was not timid. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, there there was no timidness there. And I think another thing that people maybe do is uh, kind of just more that role of three and D. But to, to Clay Thompson was getting to the hole. He was being aggressive. He was moving the ball around. Um, mm-hmm. I I'm not saying he's a hundred percent back to himself, but he's pretty darn close. Like there was no red flags, I guess, in this return. Yeah, if that makes sense.
0: I, I think um, you know, listen, I think the only way we're going to tell what clay Thompson is going to be like, as far as his peak um, and like what, like what percentage of clay Thompson we can expect. I don't think we're going to know until about 20 games in, 25 games. in. I think yeah, that's yeah. when
1: I, I think it'd be unfair to do any justice. Oh, of I agree. Before. I yeah. agree.
0: But I'm just making the point that that's something we're not going to know until then, because of the fact that you have to get your conditioning back. You have to see, like, you have to get your legs fully under you, which he looks like he's in great shape we could say that much. Um, but I will say you can, you can judge and you can question what does their lateral lateral quickness look like? What does their, um, what does their defense look like? How does their, how, you know, are they able to, um, beat defenders, things like that. And Clay Thompson passed a lot of those early tests. I mean, lateral quickness wise, he looked like he was, you know, as defensively stout as ever, or, you know, at least like he was very effective on that end. Um, Offensively, he was able to hit some pretty tough shots. And on this team, he's going to have to play a significant role in order for this team to win a championship. And he's showing that he can still create shots. He was creating shots in the mid range. He was Mm -hmm. playing on the, on the pick and roll. And like a lot of the things that we haven't really been able to talk about is what he's going to be like fitting with a lot of these pieces, because, this is a very different team than what he was playing with back when he got injured. He has guys out there now, like Andrew Wiggins. He has guys out there like Otto Porter jr. Which by the way, uh, um, or, or, um, or um, not, it's, it's not Otto Porter jr. It's, is it, what's his Wendell Carter jr. Wendell?
1: No, no, yeah. no. Wendell Carter's on the, on the uh, magic.
0: What is you, going on? It you,
1: is Porter is right.
0: Okay. I was psyching myself out. It's Otto yeah. Porter jr. Anyway. Um, by the way, What a fun addition he's been to the Warriors, like the low Mm -hmm. pressure, like kind of style he can play and like the spark plug he can be. Um,
1: And he's a number three overall pick back in the day. He's a top top five pick.
0: Yeah. Listen, like the Warriors, like, yeah, everyone was like making fun of them over the past couple of years. It was the obvious downfall. They had to like retool and kind of rebuild, but this might be the deepest Warriors team they've ever had. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah, I can see um, that. And the upside talent of guys like Jordan pool guys like, uh, Gary Payton jr. Um, their ceiling is high, man. This could be, um, this could be dynasty run number two, all written all over it because this team is going to, is going to be a threat to win it this year. They're going to be a threat to win it next year. And they could be a threat to win it the, the year after that. Like, like that's. Um, They they are going to dominate the West as long as Clay and Steph stay healthy and as long as Draymond stays healthy as well, because, um, you know, they're they're just the best core players in the NBA of the past 20 years. Mm
1: -hmm. See, they're they're your pick over Phoenix.
0: Yeah. Yeah, listen, Phoenix is great. But Devin Booker is, is absolutely fantastic. He can absolutely do it. Um, Phoenix needs that third guy to step up in a playoff series. Like DeAndre Ayton has to be at his very best. Defensively, he has to be stout. Offensively, he's going to have to have an impact. And here's the thing. Chris Paul's not going to stop Steph Curry. Devin Booker's not going to stop Steph Curry. Who on the Phoenix Suns is going to shut down Steph Curry? Because whoever's going to have to focus on that, who's going to be left over to focus on Clay Thompson?
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like
0: you... Um, you know, Chris Paul can be picked apart offensively by Steve Kerr and the Golden State Warriors. And I, I, although I think the series would go to six, I could see the series going to seven. Um, at the end of the day, um, what team do I expect to pull it out? I'm going to go with the team that I've seen, um, dominate the NBA over the past decade. And that's the Golden State Warriors. Um, especially if Steph Curry, um, can overcome this drought and become, you know, the, the, the Steph that that's been ruling the MVP conversation, then, then yeah, that team is hard to beat.
1: All good things, Sean. All good things. Yeah. I, I think Jordan Poole too. You mentioned that name. That's the name for me. That's really been impressive with this warrior team that I think goes into the depth of um, just how deep they are. Yeah. And future uh, sixth yeah. man
0: of the year, potentially. Right. Yeah. Big
1: time. Big mm-hmm. time. And I think his contribution to me, I think pushes that hump as well. I love Phoenix. So it's really hard for me to go with golden state, but after they've been playing, um, yeah, I, I think Steph's only had a couple off games this year. Uh-huh. Now uh, again, which he has
0: no, now again, now again, I take golden state. If clay Thompson can come back and be clay Thompson, you know what I'm saying? If, sure. if clay Thompson is 80 to 90% clay Thompson, that's still clay Thompson. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, as far as 70
1: is hard to compete with. Yeah.
0: 100% because listen, he could still give you bursts of magic. The, that first night of, of him being back was magic. That Mm -hmm. game was straight magic. So this guy can still do it. Um, and if he can, they're going to be, they're going to be a tough beat. They're going to be a difficult defeat. So, you know, I just, uh, I don't see a team that would, that if, if they're firing on all cylinders has the cohesion compete with that. Um, Even Milwaukee, sometimes they struggle as far as who's closing, as far as who needs to have the ball in his hands. And sometimes they don't always have guys that can, that can pick it up if Giannis can't do it, which those nights are rare because Giannis is amazing. However, that's it. That's an X factor. So um, you know, that again, just can't say enough good things about golden state, but Clay Thompson, uh, his return was absolutely incredible um any other things uh troy that you want to touch on as far as out west things that things that you are that you're looking at
1: um not necessarily with those two teams out west um, but i will mm-hmm. shift to another team out west and that is the memphis grizzlies
0: Ah, yes the memphis grizzlies the from half court certified league pass team of the month
1: mm-hmm. Congratulations! by far by far A i think john Morant I'm has just been making playing up John Morant has been playing out of his mind, not just on the offensive end, but the defensive end as well, Sean. Mm -hmm. Um, Very impressed by him. I mean, he is having his coming out party.
0: Oh, yeah. Um,
1: And if I'm a New Orleans Pelican fan, I am beating my head against the wall because around all the hype that was around Zion Williamson, John Morant has been proven that he is the best player out of this 2019 draft. Uh, He has been... One of the best surprises of this year, not that he should be a surprise. I mean, he had a great year last year and even a good rookie campaign. But Sean, he is an all star, he's a make, third year all star.
0: You can make a case for him being the best point guard in the NBA,
1: <laughs> isn't that crazy?
0: You can make that argument. And, yeah. I, and I and I honestly am starting to ask that question in my head. I mean, here's the thing they, um, the Grizzlies because of John Morant are a great team, um, defensively, they've stepped it up. They began the season dead last in defense and are now back to where they were last year, which was seventh. And the fact that they're, um, over the last month, they've been like seventh in defense. They're absolutely recommitting to that, to that end of the floor. Um, John Morant, absolutely taking over. And the thing is, is that um, that it's also the guys around him, you know, it's like, it's like the guys like Desmond Bain, Zaire Williams, Xavier Tillman, you know, just a lot of mm-hmm. different guys that are contributing and stepping up for this team.
1: Jaron um, Jackson, it, Jr.
0: Yeah. Jaron Jackson, Jr. You know that, like, that's a guy that when he's on, like he can be an absolute X factor for this team. And like, you know, like John Morant, he only scored 16 against the Lakers and Memphis beat them in the Staples center, especially a hot Lakers, a Lakers that were coming in. Everyone was like, Oh, this team is so good with LeBron at center. This is a great idea that totally will last. Don't even get me started on that, Troy. But anyway, um, you know, it's just one of those things where this team just can keeps getting like they had such a, an impressive back-to-back last week where in two straight nights, they, they literally, on New Year's Eve, uh, they beat San Antonio. Then, January 3rd, at Brooklyn, beat the Nets. Then, at Cleveland, the next night, beat Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Two nights later, go to Detroit, blow them out. Go to the Staples Center for two, two nights in a row. Beat the Clippers and the Lakers. Like, this is an incredible stretch that they're on, and right. this team... Listen, Troy, hear me out. What if Detroit receives Brandon Clark, two first round picks for Jeremy Grant, Memphis, John Morant, Jeremy Grant, Jaron Jackson Jr. That's your core
1: yeah here's the thing Sean. We just talked about how good Golden State is, how good Phoenix is. That is all true. those are my top two teams in the West. I'm not changing that however, listen to the big however if I'm those teams, I do not want to run into Memphis in the playoffs
0: you're, you're, yeah this is this is your this is your message to begin paying attention. this is your from half court warning you will look back at episode like 75 when we're next season and we're talking um, we're talking January a year from now and we're talking about how the Memphis Grizzlies are atop the Western Conference this is your warning
1: mm-hmm.
0: because this if if anything this team is a year away from cashing in this team is like like what Utah was a couple years ago when they were kind of climbing the ranks yeah, like when they went and got better. Mike Conley <laughs> from Memphis that led to them drafting John Morant. They're yeah. in that exact same situation. And they're about to become the most terrifying team in the league. If I'm the, if I am the, if I am the Memphis Grizzlies, I'm on the phone with the wizards. I'm on the phone with the Celtics. I'm on the phone with, I'm on the phone with the Pelicans. I'm on the phone with anybody that, w- that has a star that there's anyone disgruntled. I'm on the phone with the Pistons about Jeremy Grant. I'm doing whatever I can to, to maximize a core around John Morant because that guy is going to win an NBA championship. Yes, okay. he
1: will. Just out of curiosity, you mentioned Boston of one of those lists. Mm-hmm. Who would be a potential package? To, who on the Celtics currently right now could be uh, on the market to go to Memphis potentially? Jalen potentially? Brown. And that was exactly who was I was going to say as well. And that it would be beyond terrifying. That if, would be, that would be, that would be in my opinion, best case scenario.
0: In my opinion, if Memphis could find a way, and, and again, this is, this is purely turning into a trade speculation. We're just having fun. <laughs> we're just having fun. We're, <laughs> listen, we're <laughs> celebrating because, you know, you know, I got that job. Again, I want to thank everybody, by the way. I I really want to take some time later in this to thank everybody. But I will say um, if you could find a way to get a lineup of John Morant, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, (laughs) whoa, (laughs) Jared Jackson Jr., and Steven Adams, tell me that isn't a Memphis Grizzlies core. Like, like, find a better fit for Marcus Smart than Memphis. I dare you.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm having I, fun because I it's dare you. It's fun, Sean. That this team, you know, looking at the history of this team, you know, they were in Vancouver for a little bit. They moved uh-huh. to Memphis in the early 2000s. If you really think about it, they've been kind of a joke the past 20 years.
0: Yeah, they, they've been, well, no, they haven't been a joke. Well, they, they, beat, have, they
1: beat the Thunder that one year in the playoffs, the upset with Kevin Durant and Russ Book. But other than that, Sean, they haven't amounted to any. They have no history well, yet.
0: Okay, okay, they don't have history. But what I would say... Is that they have had a history of consistently being in the Western Conference playoffs, being like a seventh or eighth seed that would give those teams like a really hard time. Like a lot of those like Memphis Hustle, like re- years where they had like OJ Mayo, where they had Zach Randolph, like, yeah, like, yeah. You know, like I'm, I'm saying, like, if they could bring back an identity of that team, but with more talent, more all star talent, like guys like Jalen Brown like Marcus Smart around, so, around John Morant, who's a dog and can lead that team. I'm just saying that is, a, that is a core that if Memphis hasn't had that conversation yet, listen, I just thought that was a great idea. And the more I have this, the more I air out this take, the more I want it to happen. We're posting this clip on Twitter ASAP. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, that's pretty good, Troy. That's pretty good. Yeah, um they have absolutely been like if Portland's been as much of a disappointment as they have been, Memphis has been equally like such a surprise. Um right, I would right. say I'm not
1: saying it's a passing of the torch, but it's almost kind of in a weird way like like with Dame to Ja. Not saying that Dame's career is over by any means, yeah. but I'm just mm-hmm. saying, you know, like like kind of that foretelling of rising up again and yeah.
0: Right now, if you ask me which one I'd rather have, I can't believe I'd be saying this, but I'd rather have John Morant. Me too. As of right now. Yeah. um, I will say, um, I do think Dame will turn it around. Mm -hmm. And if he is interested in teaming with Cade Cunningham. um, (laughs) He's welcome. He's welcome. I would not say no. Yeah. Um,
1: Ja has a different gear that Dame doesn't have.
0: Yeah, 100%. Um, Troy, before we get into the segment, Um, that I'm really excited about. I do kind of want to take a quick moment to reflect a little bit now, Mm -hmm. um, because we are in, um, you know, we are in 2022 now. Um, and I do kind of want to talk about, um, you know, we are on episode 44 of this or 34 of this podcast. Um, I started, uh, I started doing basketball media as a writer for piston power to back in December of 2019 and my, and my, uh, editor was a guy, uh, named Nick Henkel, otherwise known as Motown Noah, otherwise known as the, uh, as the guy at buckets, um, and the Pistons Twitter champion. Um, I have had the opportunity now to create this podcast, go on this journey with you, have great, great guests like Nick and Tony and Cone, um, had easy on, on, on the, uh, on the other podcasts last week. And now, um, you know, obviously this could be cut out and this could just be released in the future at some point, but I do just want to say, um, you know, cause this will be released on Wednesday. So I do believe it will be out by that point. Um, I would just like to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Um, and, uh, please keep supporting this journey. Um, to those of you that found this through Woodward sports, welcome. Um, I will be doing, I will still be recording podcasts here and we will still keep going here. Um, But yeah, Troy, I did just want to take some time because I do just feel so fortunate and I am excited for the future that that is to come with Woodward Sports. And uh, I would be remiss if I didn't say to go check out their content. I'll link below my first article and uh, expect expect a couple articles a week there for myself. So um, yeah, Troy, that's all I wanted to say on that.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it's been fun, Sean. And it's been fun seeing how uh, just with technology, the ability to just podcast of what our conversations would be like without a podcast, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And having a voice be, be heard with, with an audience that wants to listen, that wants good basketball content with guys that know what they're talking about with the league. Um, it, it's just fun. It's just really fun, Sean. So thank you for letting me come on this journey with you because uh, when I was watching the Pistons game, and Nick was on Rally Sports Detroit with Rick Mahorn. And, and he was the special guest of Pistons Twitter when Nick was on ESPN. And I think that guy was on our podcast. Yeah. Pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff. Yeah, 100%.
0: And who knows? Maybe Rick Mahorn will be on our podcast someday.
1: That would be pretty, be pretty cool.
0: Pretty cool. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Fingers crossed. Um, speaking of players that are pretty cool, we are heading to a guy that's pretty cool. Troy Sergi from Matt Rushmore, but today we are finishing up our Pistons legacy series. Um, I don't even know uh, if how many people listen to these, but this, this honestly feels like this is for us and that's okay. Yeah. Cause, I, cause yeah. That, this is just fun to us, but we did uh, we did Rodney Stuckey last week. If I remember correctly, mm-hmm. I believe you had me touch on Mehmet Okor mm-hmm. a few weeks ago at one point, um, I believe uh, was what was uh, we did Charlie Villanueva at one point, yeah, correct? We did. Um, who am I missing?
1: Jonas Jerebko.
0: Jonas. Oh, man. You, you, saw, okay. Yeah. Who is it tonight, Troy?
1: So, yes, we are doing our fifth and final series of this Pistons Legacies. And again, yes, it has very much been more just Troy and Sean nerding out and having fun with this with looking at the past the blast uh-huh. from the past the forgotten past that we wished it was forgotten but today this is like
0: childhood therapy for us yeah
1: yeah this this has been childhood therapy but this one is more like college therapy and let's talk about Derek Rose
0: Derek. not MVP
1: Derek Rose Detroit hey. Pistons Derek Rose hey
0: the MVP to me Derek Rose now <laughs> yeah. Um, when Derek Rose was signed uh, two years ten million dollar, it was a consensus great deal right I think um, it was you get the uh, you get the ceiling of of what Derek Rose could still do while at the same time not paying him a lot of money in return. Um, Derek Rose, of course, a guy that on a good night can still give you over 20 a game, a guy that, um that might not be the most efficient shooter but is a good enough catch-and-shoot shooter um Mm -hmm. someone that was in a similar stage of their career to to blake griffin see if you could put something together and make some noise in the playoffs right Mm -hmm. um obviously we made one playoff run um and it did not go as hoped however
1: derrick rose was not on that team
0: oh that's right that's right he was brought in after he was Mm -hmm. brought in to replace
1: ish smith which everyone right. was freaking out about That's because right. no one thought that ish could be replaced as a backup point guard. That's
0: right. But this is year that Blake got injured that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. So you, you, we never really got to see that experiment truly be played out. However, I think it was an experiment that we all realized would never be
1: mm-hmm. um, sure.
0: in that we just, we have, we had to accept where we were. And Derek Rose, therefore, became the guy that we hoped would mentor Killian, which he did for a little bit. And he, too, uh, and I think what we could say about Derek Rose, obviously, first of all, played some pretty damn good basketball. And
1: really basketball. did. Like, I think he, we got the best of what we could have gotten in that situation with Derek Rose in my opinion.
0: Yeah, absolutely. My mic is falling apart, so I'm just going to hold it like this yeah. for the rest of the podcast.
1: Yeah, um, absolutely. My uh, favorite memory, I mean, we'll talk a little bit more about legacy quick, but my favorite memory that I wanted to touch on was the second game of the year that year. I was in yes. a 10 at the game with some of my high school buddies. Yes. And we saw Derrick Rose go head-to-head against Ben Simmons. And Derrick Rose, I believe that he had his Pistons career high that night he had 31 points he had two crazy blocks uh pistons came up a little bit short at the end but it was so fun sean because every time derrick rose touched the ball in that game he scored like like seriously it was insane i I strongly encourage everyone in attendance or anyone listening to this podcast to watch the highlights of Derek Rose 31 point game against the Philadelphia 76ers in October of 2019, because that was unreal. I will never forget it. Just Derrick Rose. It brought us back to the childhood. You know, I was in seventh grade when Derrick Rose won his MVP when he was 22 years old with Chicago. And uh, it it just had so much flashbacks to that. And I say that word flashback, but I, I used to hate when NBA or ESPN would show a Pistons Derrick Rose highlight and say, vintage Derrick Rose. No, not vintage Derrick Rose. Just Derrick Rose.
0: Let him be himself, dang it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Let him be, your, be himself. Dang it! Yeah. So yeah, I mean that team wasn't going to accomplish anything. But for me, that was such a fun year, year and a half to have Derek Rose on our team, and then even into the COVID year too, he had some good minutes as well. And unfortunately, well, maybe fortunately for his sake, uh, he was traded midway for Dennis Smith Jr. and to, he got sent to the New York Knicks. And to this day, he's still having just as good of a career in New York uh, on a team where he can compete in five minutes.
0: All right. Well, I try to fix my microphone a little bit. Answer this question. Yeah. If you, if you could bring one piston back and bring them a second chance, who would it be? And why
1: in the past, what? that's still in the league right now?
0: Yes. If you could bring back any piston in the past 20 years,
1: Oh, 20 years. So they could be retired.
0: Uh, yeah, we'll go, we'll go last 20 years. If you could give any, Player, a run back in their era, who would it be and why?
1: Yeah, I, I feel like that's a trick question because of course I'm gonna say with uh, with Eyesighted, uh, hindsight 2020 being Chris Middleton, uh, we got rid of him way too quick. We threw him in a deal with Brandon uh, Knight for Brandon Jennings, and we literally just threw him in there because we could. You know, I think he showed great promise with a little bit of action, he got his rookie year. Uh, I think he just showed hard work ethic uh, during that rookie year. And to me, we gave up on him way too quick. I know he was a second round pick. I know back in that era of 10 years ago, second round picks um, weren't what they are today. They're still not, you know, a huge asset today. But for me, uh, Chris Middleton was a guy we gave up on way too soon. And uh, the guy's an all-star, probably even a Hall of Famer one day. Um, I think he's a guy that is a second option on, a, on this past championship team with the Milwaukee Bucks. To me, I'm going to go with the cop-out hindsight 2020 answer, Chris Milton.
0: Hey, I can't blame you for taking that answer because um, there's probably not a player who is objectively the right answer more in this case. Um, I think I think you can make arguments for other for other players.
1: How would you answer that, Sean?
0: Um, I would say I would I would, if I could change any fate of any player we've drafted, um, I would say I would want Stanley Johnson to have the life lessons he learned from Raptors 905 and what he's been for the Lakers. like Like, what he's understood with his time there. And give him another run. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Would you talk about what you think that would be like real quick?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, um, to your point, Sean, you know, he was very much a disappointment uh, in Detroit. Not a bust, but a disappointment. Uh, he had some good defensive stints against LeBron James in the 2016 playoffs. He was a guy that I believe uh, showed promising minutes, I guess. Yeah. Uh, you know, he mm-hmm. he can shoot a three-point shot. He had a couple of nice 20-point games in his time in Detroit. But ultimately, uh, it was time to move on for him. We traded him to Milwaukee for Thon Maker. Uh, bounced around a little bit with the Pelicans and the Raptors and all that. Uh, and now he found, finds himself today...
0: Uh, lots of G out, League stints he had.
1: Lots of G League stints now he finds himself today uh as a starter uh, with the Los Angeles Lakers with a team of Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony. At the all very those least, guys.
0: at the very least, a guaranteed contract for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So I think if you if you somehow maybe brought him back, let's say next season, um, I think he's a guy that uh has a lot to prove. I I I still think he has a lot to prove in this league. Um so to think, I think he's what, 25 years old now. Um, yeah. I think he's uh, no a little bit older than that, maybe 26. Um, I think he's a guy that you would, you know, you would want on your team, Sean. I think he's a guy that will bring you great defensive impact. Uh, he's shown massive improvements with his shooting ability. Um, I, I guess I don't really know. If you fought you say your question is like what would he bring to this team now? Um, I don't really know how he would gel with some of the younger guys, yeah. but I would like to think he'd have impact. I think that's yeah. the most important thing is he'd have impact.
0: I think he's like a less athletic. I, I feel like his like ceiling of like what he could be for a Detroit team right now, like if you just take him today, I think he'd be yeah. like a less athletic comedy Diallo where he's just like sure. a defensive pressure. Sure. Um, and really just, um, you know, would try to like occasionally maybe take a catch and shoot mm-hmm. three. Um, yeah. He's still not a good catch and three shooter. He's he's not doing terrible in L.A. Um, but as in, the, in that department, but they really need him there to have a body they can defend. And he's definitely doing that well. So um, to his credit, he's definitely earned his opportunity there. Now, listen, I don't think he's ever going to get another shot with the Pistons. I don't think he should get another shot. But, like if I could go back and change the fate of any Piston. Um, I would have wanted to see that one work out because that one seemed like a pick in particular that hurt, um, mm-hmm. you know, Seku. Um, yeah. I was going to
1: say Seku hurt me a little bit.
0: Listen, I think we fooled ourselves with that one. Um, we, we, we thought, Oh, Pascal Siakam question mark, <laughs> but you don't realize how hard it is to actually make a guy be like Pascal Siakam. You just can't, you know, like, you know, that takes, that takes work. Um, that's elbow grease that that Sekou did not put in. That's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know who is putting in the elbow grease? Troy and I on From Half Court, where each and every week, Troy and I talk about all things about the game of basketball. If you'd like that, be sure to subscribe to this podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our channel on YouTube, where we'll be posting more clips, posting more content. Keep creating podcasts and bringing the love on a weekly basis to the game of basketball. Be sure to follow Woodward Sports, follow the articles and stuff I'll be doing there. Thank you so much for watching. We will catch you next time from Half Court. Be sure to subscribe.